Let's pray together. Father, it truly is a joy and a privilege to stand out here in your creation and sing, you deserve it all. For God, you are worthy of our praise. You're worthy of our adoration. You're worthy of our worship this day and every day. God, I pray that everyone gathered here this morning is inspired. And Lord, worshiping in a location like this, I can't help but think, how can we not be? But God, I pray this morning as we share and we look in your word, God, that you would give us even more reason to be inspired when we leave this place. God, we thank you for all the fathers that are here. God, we thank you for their devotion to be here this day when many fathers, God, may be on a golf course, maybe out on the lake, a lot of different places, God, and maybe not worshiping at all. God, I thank you for their devotion and dedication to their families. And God, I thank you for the inspiration that many fathers have given us. But most of all, I thank you for the inspiration that you give us as our Heavenly Father. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in a series. Can you guys hear me? All right. We're in a series entitled Go for Gold. With the Olympics being one month away, we're looking at four different key components that apply not only in the sports arena, but also in the Christian life. And today, as I prayed, we're going to talk about inspiration. And I don't know about you, but one of the most inspiring things about the Olympics to me is the opening ceremony. And one of the key things that inspire me of that is when the torch, we've got a teeny, teeny torch up here, but when the torch enters the Olympic Stadium and they light the Olympic flame, my heart just, even though I'm sitting in my living room, my heart just skips a few beats. I've been on locations where I've watched the torch go by in communities a couple times and people just surround uh, the whole street as the torch goes by. That to me is inspirational. But if we were honest, most of us have more in common with a couch potato than we do an Olympic athlete. Eric maybe is closer to an Olympic athlete. He runs every single day. But me, I have more in common with a couch potato than I do an Olympic athlete. But we stare and we watch and it takes little physical effort on our part. All we have to do is sit in our living room on our couch and give a thumbs up or a thumbs down as the athletes perform. We watch them after they have sacrificed time, money, effort, energy, given up incredible amounts of sleep. We watch them from our couch and we say, man, that was amazing. But what's the inspiration? What causes and motivates these athletes to pursue such a dream and to make that kind of sacrifice with that kind of time? Lifting weights, sore muscles, no social life, no life at all. 
committed to pursuing that dream. Well, what inspires them is very much the same as what should inspire us as believers. The New Testament writer in the book of Hebrews shares a section of scripture that hopefully will inspire us as we run the Christian race. In Hebrews chapter 12 is where we find it, but before we go there, we've got to reflect on what Hebrews chapter 11 says. It's known as kind of the faith hall of fame. It goes through these great giants of faith in the Old Testament, and it talks about a great cloud of witnesses that we have, a number of people who have gone before us who are now in the heavens cheering us on, this great cloud of witnesses. I'm going to ask that you stand, and what I want you to do as I go through this section and read these names is just look up into the sky. Go ahead and stand if you would. Just look up into the sky and imagine this great cloud of witnesses looking down upon you as you run the Christian race, cheering you on. Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Samson, Samuel. It even lists a prostitute named Rahab whose faith and courage saved two godly leaders. Continue looking into the sky as I read our text for today. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run the race of per- run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, consider him who endured such great opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You can be seated. And I want you to imagine that cloud of witnesses that you saw looking up, staring down, and motivating you. If you're not a believer or follower in Jesus, I pray that it makes you curious as to what inspiration God can give you. If you're kind of lukewarm and you sit on the fence, you're kind of half-hearted in your Christian walk, I pray some of what we talk about today will put you over the fence and make you get into the game. If you are a fully devoted follower of Jesus, I pray it will make you want to go just one step further in your commitment to him. We're inspired first by a history of champions. A history of champions. If you're not inspired in life, you probably won't get involved in much of anything. I'm amazed as we watch the past Summer Olympics as those who have been motivated by previous Olympians. They'll give credit. I'm in this because of such and such. Michael Phelps even during one of the last Olympics, gave up his spot in the relay to his Olympic hero, Ian Crocker, the one who inspired him to swim. That relay ended up setting a new world record. In the same way, you and I can be inspired. 
by people who have gone before us, people in Scripture, but also people today. One Bible commentator explains the picture of this passage by saying this. Think of yourself as being in a relay race where those who have finished the race have now handed the baton to you and it's your turn to run. And they're cheering you on as you take off. With that understanding, maybe when you face sexual temptation, you can think back to Joseph in the Old Testament and you gain strength. When you look at tough challenges, think of Joshua. When you're involved in an unwanted task, something you really don't want to do, think of Moses. Or when you must take a great step of faith, think of Abraham. And although all those are helpful, it still helps to be inspired by someone with flesh on, right? That you can see. This past week, we received bad news uh, that Mary Annabelle the tumor, you all that were present in worship that day, we brought Mary up and we prayed over her as a church. This past Monday, that tumor in her head was diagnosed as cancerous, and unfortunately, the Cleveland Clinic gave her two to four years to live. I wish she'd have been here today because I was going to share this, but she can't really be outside right now. She's worshiping inside in Wadsworth to be in a building. But this past week, I took some gift cards to their house. I knocked on the door, and Nick answered Mary's husband. Mary had just left with her mom to go somewhere. And I said, Nick, I said, how you doing for real? How you doing? And he started crying. He said, I'm not doing too good. But he said this. He said, but Mary is my inspiration. But Mary is my inspiration. Nick has just started his walk with Christ in a, in a deeper way. He's not where Mary is. And I said, how is she inspiring you? And he said, she has told me over and over again, no matter what, we can't get mad at God. This is not God's fault. This is not God's fault. We continue to worship him. We continue to honor him. And I want to tell you, when I drove away from there, I was inspired. Look for little moments in life that you can gain inspiration from other believers that keep you running the race. There's a sign that is always hung outside of the Notre Dame locker room. And it says, play like a champion today. Traditionally, Notre Dame football players touch that sign before they go on to the field of play. And every player that touches that sign remembers years and years of players before them who have touched that same sign to motivate and play like a champion. The Hebrew writer is saying, I want you to run like a champion today. I want you to run the Christian life like a champion. And we have home court advantage because God is on our side, and there's cheering us on from above. Secondly, we receive inspiration because of a challenge. There's something about a challenge that inspires an athlete. Hebrews 12.1, again, says, Therefore, 
Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, here's the challenge. Let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us throw off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles. How do you do that? How do you get rid of those things? Talk about a challenge. And sometimes they don't have to be bad things. Sometimes good things. If there's too much of a good thing, it might affect our relationship with Jesus and the way we serve him. Remember, the Christian life is choosing between good, better, and best. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16, Paul says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are, what are you following there? Evil, evil. Remember, I've told you before, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. If the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy, even with good things that gradually work at your relationship with Jesus in a negative way. So how do we kind of get off the couch and get into the race, eliminating those entanglements? Well, several years ago, leadership guru Jim Collins, I heard him speak, and he talked about a goal that he set for a year that he wanted to read 100 books in a year. And so he started out, he sat down, and he began to read the book, War and Peace, a 400-page book, just some light reading. He sat down with that book, and he turned on Monday Night Football at the same time. He says, I started to read the book and watch Monday Night Football at the same time. But the game got pretty good, so eventually I closed the book and I watched and enjoyed Monday night football for the rest of the night. Then he said, what I realized was, if I was going to reach my goal, I was going to have to unplug the TV set. And then he looked at 3,000 Christian leaders, and he asked this question. What TV sets must you unplug in order to accomplish your goals for Christ? What TV sets must you unplug in order to accomplish your goals for Jesus? What are those entanglements that hold you back that you need to unplug? Maybe it's a sinful habit. Maybe it's a place that you frequent. Maybe it's a friendship that needs to change. Maybe it's someone that you date or hang out with that pulls you down spiritually instead of lifting you up. What is it that you need to unplug? Another inspiration is the fact that it's a clear course. Hebrews 12.1 continues, let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. Let me warn you, it can be a tough course. Look at Mary. Who'd have thought? She just had a brand new baby, and now she's been diagnosed with a tumor, then she's been given two to four years to live. Think that's an easy course God's given her? No, it's tough. Matthew 7, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Enter through the narrow gate, 
For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many go through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. And sometimes it can be a difficult, difficult course that's laid out. Gordon MacDonald writes, Running track in my prep school days taught me a valuable lesson. He says, I was in the Pennsylvania Relays, a famous Eastern track meet, and our team was going for the championship. I was in the second lane. The man in the first lane held the 100-meter dash state record. He also, he said, he also held a record for arrogance. When we got to the line and we were putting down our starting blocks, he said, the guy next to me who held the record said, may the best man win. And by the way, I'll be waiting for you at the finish line. We went into the blocks. The gun sounded. We took off. The other seven of us settled in behind him. When we headed down the back stretch, we hit about 180 meters into the race. And he said, suddenly I saw the record holder in front of me holding his side bent over and groaning in pain. We all passed him like he was standing still. Being a gentleman, I waited for him at the finish line. <laughs> at the end of the race, my coach pulled me aside and said, I hope you learned a lesson today. It makes little difference whether you hold the record in the 100-meter dash if the race is 400 meters long. It makes little difference if you hold the record in the 100-meter dash when the race is 400 meters long. The Christian life is not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's a marathon. And there are a whole lot of people who are inspired to get in the race, but there's not a whole lot of people who are inspired to take the race to the finish line. I pray that you and I have the reliance on the Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit to realize that the Christian life is a marathon. And it can get tough. I love the Olympic slogan that says, it's, it's not an event, it's a way of life. Those athletes in the Olympics... They just didn't get up one day from their couch and say, okay, I'm going to run 400 meters. No, it's a way of life that they've been doing since they were two and three years old to make that happen. You and I need to understand to run the Christian race, it takes a single-minded focus, and it must be more than something that we just do on Sundays. The Christian life is an everyday event for us. And perhaps the biggest inspiration we have is an ultimate hero. Jesus has to be the focal point, the one we look to for guidance, direction, and strength. Again, Hebrews 12 continued. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Our focus is on him. 
In every event, no matter what it is, there's a focal point. Horse racing, the horses focus on the poles on the side of the track. Swimming, they focus on the wall. Basketball, they focus on the hoop. Baseball, they focus on the ball. Running, they focus on the finish line. In the Christian race, we focus on Jesus and Jesus alone. How many of you are old enough to remember back to the 1976 Olympics? Come on, fess up, all right? 1976 Olympics. You remember the gymnast from the Soviet Union? She did a routine, and it was one of the first perfect tens ever given. Remember her name? Yeah, Nadia Kamenichi. Every judge and everyone watching from their couch said the same thing. She nailed it. She nailed it. And she did. A perfect 10, flawless in the eyes of seven judges for a two-minute routine. I wonder how many little girls watched that and were inspired to become an Olympian themselves. But then let me remind you of one whose perfection lasted a tad longer than two minutes. His perfection spanned for 33 years. When it came to living a perfect life, he nailed it. He nailed it. But then they nailed him. They nailed him to a tree where he would hang for six hours. And in doing so, his blood flowed from the cross to cover everyone who has committed their life to him to cover their sins for all eternity. I don't know about you, but that inspires me to think that someone would allow their son to suffer and die on a cross so that I could live for all eternity. That's inspiration. And every single week we take a little bit of juice and a piece of bread. I'm going to ask you to grab a hold of that. And every single week we have a moment of inspiration remembering the sacrifice that Jesus made for us to focus on him, to focus on his death, to focus on his resurrection, and to focus on the fact that one day we are going to spend eternity in his presence. And I want you to just do that right now. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you to take the juice, which represents his blood, the bread, which represents his body. And let's be inspired by that. Father, we thank you so much for your sacrifice for us. We can't imagine the road that Jesus had to haul, the race that he had to run, a race of perfection that ended up in total sacrifice for us. But God, we remember that now. I pray we're inspired by that as we take these emblems together right now. In Jesus' name, amen.
Hebrews 12, 2 continues. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Did you catch the phrase? For the joy set before him. It makes us ask the question, what was the joy? What was the joy that caused him to leave the glories of heaven and come to earth to live a perfect life only to die? Was the joy a crown? No, he didn't need any physical emblem. Was the joy glory? No, he had all the glory of heaven. In fact, the angels worshiped him day and night, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Day and night they worshiped him in heaven. So what was the joy? Was it authority? No, Jesus had all authority in heaven, just as God the Father. Was it a relationship with God the Father? No. He didn't have to leave heaven for that. He already had that as well. So why did he come here? What was the joy that he needed that he didn't already have? It was you. It was you. You're the joy. I'm the joy. We're the joy. You are the reason that Jesus left all the glories of heaven and came to earth to suffer and die. You are his joy. And I pray, if nothing else in all of this world inspires you, to run the Christian race, that you are inspired because the very Son of God, Jesus himself, left all the glories of heaven, came to this earth, lived a perfect life, gave himself up on a cross, defeated death by conquering the grave. He did it all because of You, you are his joy. And that is inspiration. Father, we thank you so much that you allowed your son to suffer and die on our behalf. And God, we consider him the greatest inspiration in all of life. And God, as we leave this park today, may we have a skip and a bounce in our step because we are his joy. We are his joy. God, we are your treasure. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.